The following is a fourth-hand production. Hey, welcome back in to Sad Times. Sorry we're a little late starting. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, for anybody who hasn't been here before, I mean, it is only our second show, but... Uh, uh, basically, uh, this is a show I came up with, B, and uh, uh, where, where we kind of talk about, I think that everybody, anybody who's watching or anybody who's not watching has been sad before, or is sad maybe every day, sad in different ways, but we do all the shit to hide it. Uh, I know that I do, and it, it, that itself becomes its own thing, and I'm really interested in what people do to cover up their own sadness and what people do when they're sad and how they're feeling internally as opposed to how they feel externally, right? So I, I just want to have a, a conversation with people weekly. Of course, if you want to, you can chat in, uh, ask any questions, anything like that. But that's that's really what I wanted to do because I think this is something that we all deal with and nobody talks about. Uh, or rarely talks about. I mean, I talk about it in therapy every other Tuesday, but um, it's not a normal thing. You know, you don't go to work and talk about, well, I'm sad. And I think that personally, I think maybe we, it would be helpful if we all just were a little bit more open about when we were at our worst, quote, worst, uh, when we were sad and how we dealt with it. And then we can understand each other and be more empathetic. So, um, we weren't on last week, uh, but don't worry. Uh, I watched my first week's show, many versions of it, and uh, I, I took some notes. And so hopefully we'll have a better show for you this week. Uh, and speaking of this week, uh, I would like to introduce my friend Jen. Uh, Jen is here. Hi, Jen. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm well. How are Great. you? I'm doing okay, you know. Good. I'm doing okay. So... Uh, Jen and I have known each other for um, coming up on five years now, I yeah. think, and uh, we spend a lot of time during the day talking, and uh, Jen and I have both uh, talked a lot about kind of some of the stuff that we deal with in, um, you know, the sadder way or, or with anxiety. For example, um, I was just drinking uh, this beer here, and before I put it down, I had to touch it with my other pinky, but I do all these weird things that nobody notices that I do. But I do them, and it makes my brain feel better. So, but that's a little different, right? For sure. I used to like check doors to make sure that they were closed a certain amount of times for a while, and I feel like my anxiety kind of comes and goes depending on kind of what's going on in my life. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's it's really heightened, and I I kind of go through these motions of like, you know, when I leave the house, I have to make sure that like I check you know the the dials on the stove or or check to make sure like my um hair straighteners turned off things like that are you that. worried that you're going to like burn the oh burn totally the house now Absolutely. do you do you like leave get to, i don't know four blocks down the street and mm -hmm. you're like i left it on yes. it's going to burn down i've done that do you before. turn around mm -hmm. and you do I turn do. around i have done that before yes have you ever come back and found that it's still plugged in no never have that no you? No, not at all. Right. It's My... always put away and, yeah, completely cooled down. Yeah. Everything's been turned off. Probably has been turned off for, for days, but I, for some reason, my brain just tells me, nope, you got to go back because, you know, there's this impending disaster that you could possibly create. Isn't that funny that it does that? And then it's like, I now feel like the thoughts inside of my head mm -hmm. are somehow going to control the events in the world, right? Absolutely. And that's what superstition is. 
And um, my sister, I talk to her pretty much every morning. And um, excuse me, uh, every once in a while we'll be on the phone. She's like, did I turn my early night it off? And I said, yes, you did. And I've always told her, I said, take a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> with it unplugged, just take a picture of it, right. and then you're going to have the goddamn timestamp on right. there, right? Have you ever thought about doing that? I have. Um, my husband, though, also will, like, double-check things now for me, because he kind of understands that, like, okay, this is something that could potentially make us, like, go back to the apartment. Um, oh, so, he so actually, it's for his own self-preservation. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'll make sure to, like, you know, check these things, and so it's actually kind of nice that, that he'll say, oh, nope, it was off. Nope, you're good. Yeah. And then and then I feel much better, because there's this other person telling me, like, no, we're, we're good. Everything's turned off. So. Do, you, do you feel a guilt for being anxious about those things? Um, sometimes, sometimes I just try to think like, okay, you, maybe this is like totally normal. Um, I, I haven't really had a lot of opportunities to talk to other people about anxiety. And I feel like now in the last few years, I've been able to do that. And so it's, it's nice to kind of see that, okay, this is actually a pretty normal thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, you know, for a while I thought like maybe something was, was wrong with me. Um, what do you mean by wrong with you? Like you, you just thought that you were your own, like yeah. nobody else thought the way that you thought. Right. Yeah. That I was kind of like in my head and, and, and in a way like, uh, just, I don't know, just like not normal, I guess, um, okay. that something, something was, was, was not quite right. Um, and, and, yeah, and it did, it did. I mean, and that in itself caused me a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Um, and you know, I kind of tried tried to deal with it on my own, um, and tried to deal with it through you know medication and um, and and struggled for a really long time to try to find like the right balance. Um, I think it's something that I thought, okay, if I just tell my doctor about this, you know, and she'll give me um, something or recommend something and then it'll all be over with. Uh, I kind of just thought that it was something. It will all be over with. Right. right? But it yeah. never is. No. And it's, it's, it's just really, one thing after the other. Yeah. And it's something you have to like live with. And, yeah. and, but also I think just be, be comfortable enough to understand that like, it's just a part of you and it's just kind of a part of who you are. Right. And how you operate. And it's not bad. It's not, it's not anything to be ashamed of. It's just, it just is what it is. So, so I remember when I was a kid mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things that I got real fucked up about and, and had my mind wrapped about and I was anxious about uh, was religion, specifically mm -hmm. this, this idea of, of God and the devil, heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. Like these things were real. I don't know if I literally thought I was going to be on fire forever, <laughs> but I, mm -hmm. I literally thought there was this place of pure pure bliss and then pure damnation whatever mm. and nowhere in between <laughs> nowhere in between right and right. one night i remember i was talking to my mom and we uh this was we lived in this little little house and we were in the little kitchen and i was talking to her and i asked her i don't know why i think i was really worried about the devil mm. and uh it's all right brock and uh, uh, I, I asked her, I said, Mom, do you, do you believe in the devil? Now, I meant, do you, like, worship the devil? Oh. And I don't know why I thought my mom worshipped the devil, but I was so worried that she did. And she told me, yes, I do believe in the devil. And I said, what? And it, like, it was like a oh, whole man. body experience. Right. What she was trying to say is, I believe the devil exists. Got it. I thought she was, like believed in the devil so i excused myself from the table and uh i went back to my bedroom 
And I was in that room for like 30 minutes. And I was like, I, I don't know, you ever pace when you're like really upset? I, I don't, but it's, it's interesting because you, you had mentioned like kind of a physical reaction. Yes, like yeah. for me, it's like it starts in my head. And then for whatever reason, like I can start to kind of reconcile it in my head. But then the physical reaction just stays. So my heart races um, and, and yeah, my, my limbs feel like sore almost. Sore? And, Is yeah. it almost like you have a flu? Kind of, and like, and then I just feel exhausted. Yeah, like I think it's just from my heart racing, and then all of a sudden I just feel so tired, and then just yeah, and and that like lingers. Like I can reconcile like an an anxiety attack like in my brain, but then like the physical symptoms like linger for hours. Okay, and it's just really really frustrating. Yeah, and then it's like, I'll, and I'm going to ask you about this in a second, but sure. like. When I had that experience with my mom, mm-hmm. I couldn't come out later and say, well, mom, I, I just want to let you know I just had a really rough time in my bedroom because right. I was pretty sure you worshipped Beelzebub and uh, you're going to go to hell. Uh, because hell, right. again, was a very real thing to me. And I mm-hmm. keep coming back to this, but I think it's fucked up that we teach kids about hell, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, um, did you ever have an experience when you were a kid maybe around your family where you were like really sad for somebody else in your family, but you didn't know how to say it to them. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm trying to, I can't really think of like any particular situation, but I think like, you know, there were times when like, you know, if I had a sibling who was upset about something or, you know, a parent who was, you know, stressed out or something like that, I, I almost like put that on my shoulders. Like I almost like, I feel things very, and I, and I, I did when I was, can I still do now? I feel things very intensely mm-hmm. and I don't like seeing people upset. And so I would like, in a way, like start becoming like as upset as they were and like attempt to kind of like put that on myself and like try to comfort them. And when like, you say put it on yourself, did you think that you were, even when you were young in your mm-hmm. brain, did you think that you were literally taking something from somebody and saying, I yeah. will take it on that type of thing? I was trying. I think for you know, on some level, I thought that like, you know, I'm already feeling pretty sad most of the time. I think I can just kind of handle this. I think, I think I thought that I could. Okay. Um, you were feeling pretty sad most of the time, just a base level of sad. Yeah. And yeah. From is, a very young age. Yeah. Um, did you, Talk to anybody about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I talked to my parents about it, and they were, you know, super encouraging and asked me, you know, like, you know, on, uh, you know, especially things around school. You know, they wanted to like make sure everything was okay. Uh, my mom was a teacher, so she was used to kind of understanding like how music to, teacher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah band director. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, and so you know, she was really used to like you know helping kids, and you know, she always was. Gosh, you know, her students to this day like you know, talk to her and keep in touch. Um, she was like a super empathetic, um, person and just always like very, very, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, but just, just very empathetic. Right. Um, what, can I ask you something? Yeah, was sure. she, do you feel she had the same empathy with you that she did with her students? I think so. I yeah. mean, I think, I mean, I think obviously it was different cause I was her, her daughter and I think yeah. she was super protective, but I think she, she had such a big heart. She still does. Um, you know, she, I think, you know, tried to help her students as much as she could. Um, and I think she kind of showed the same type of, you know, empathy and, 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 and comfort that she did, um, 
uh, to me t- towards them. You know. Do you feel like that you, when you had that empathy to take things off of each other, mm-hmm. is that something you feel that you learned by watching your mom? Like, remember the old, the old. Um, I'm sorry. I always think of this old drugs commercial from the '80s where a dad finds a kid with drugs, and he's like, "Where did you get this? I learned it from watching you." So obviously, your mom's a drug <laughs> addict. But did you feel like you were, in some ways, emulating her? Was uh, your mom sad? I I honestly don't know. I mean, I've I've never really had a conversation with her about that. I think it would be a great conversation to have with her. Um, but I think, you know, I, I saw. And, and, and I think at times, you know, whether it was just trying to not, I, I just didn't, I just didn't like seeing people upset. And I felt like if I could be of any kind of comfort um, or help to them, I, I, I tried. Um, but I think in turn, it didn't really allow me the chance when I was sad about something to really go to anybody else. Because I kind of then you, said, like, oh, well, I can take care of this. I right. You, I can handle it. Right. I can handle theirs. Why can't I handle mine? Right. Did that make you mad? Um, I don't think it made me mad. Maybe frustrated sometimes. Um, mostly just at myself. Like, frustrated that I couldn't, like, just have a, a, a conversation or or... Be, be upset and that be okay. I think I, I was frustrated with the the times where, you know, I, I really did want to express sadness or disappointment mm-hmm. or, or, you know, just, just things not going well. Well, um, wait a minute. Did somebody tell you you couldn't express it or were you stopping yourself? <laughs> no, nobody. I mean, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day and like nobody in my life ever told me that I, I couldn't do those things, which I think is really interesting. Somehow I had formed some kind of idea that it wasn't okay for me to to be as expressive. So do you do you think that that, that you do you do this like uh, somebody says, "Oh, I um, oh my god, I feel really guilty. I did X, Y, and Z," and you're like. That's fine. You're a person. And then if you did it, you're yeah. like, that's not fine. Right. Yeah. Oh, so totally. Higher, sorry. <laughs> higher standard. One time. Sorry. Just one time. <laughs> um, so. Oh, frick. I'll calm down, Brock. All right. So, um, you know, I, I, going back to the uh, having the parents and um, uh, having the family and them be sad and taking it on. I remember when I was seven. Uh, my mom uh, had to, uh, she was having a hard time with depression, mm-hmm. struggling real bad. and She had to go to hospital for a little while. And um, I remember we went to visit her one time and uh, she had made me this, this wooden box. Oh, and, wow. and on top of it were these baseball players because okay. uh, I love baseball. And all you had to do was open it. And she said, you can put your baseball card. And I remember she gave it to me, and I remember, but mom, your mom, you, you don't have to do these things for me. You're my mom. Right. You can do anything. And I remember looking at that box and thinking, you don't, at least don't feel you have to do this. Did you feel like a, very guilty that? I felt sad for her. Okay. Um, and then we had this like, I, but then I took that box home, mm-hmm. and I would keep my most valuable baseball mm-hmm. cards in there, like my Bo Jackson rookie card uh, was in there. And I just remember being like, I I thought to myself, um, 
it's so sad that she feels she has to do this for me. And that's how I thought about it then. Mm. Now I, I see it differently. Um, did you ever feel any sort of, um, when you were a kid, like if you got frustrated, if you mm-hmm. got sad, did your family ever react poorly to that? Um, you know, and honestly, like I really kept a lot of that from them when I was feeling sad, you know, that's, what would you do? What do you mean kept it from them? What would you do? I would just kind of go in my room and listen to music. What kind of music would you listen to? Oh, gosh. Uh, I listened to a lot of Beatles when I was a kid. Oh, the Beatles. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you know something about that? A little bit. Um. So, yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because my mom was a huge Beatles fan. And okay. so, um, honestly, like, one of my earliest memories is, is listening to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And um, I, I was just, I was obsessed. Like, I just became, like, so incredibly just entrenched in every single song. Um, I, I would, you know, go through my mom's old collections of, like, Beatle bubblegum cards and posters and all this other stuff that she had from when she was a kid. So, yeah, I, I really, you know, a lot of times when I was sad or when I was going through just terrible times in school and, and being bullied and made fun of and everything else i you know i think a lot of it was like i knew that my parents were working really hard i knew that my mom was working really hard i knew that they had a lot on their plates and i just kind of just kept it inward like i just i just kind of would come home and go in my room and just listen to my music and what what did you said earlier sorry bullied you were bullied at school oh yeah what, can I ask <laughs> what what like were people just would they say mean shit to you? Oh yeah, yeah. I was made fun of for my weight a lot, um, and I had very very short hair at the time, and I was made fun of for that. Um, yeah, those were kind of the two the two things, and uh, you know I was pretty pretty shy kid too. Um, wasn't very um, outgoing, and so you know there were people who were you know mean about that and you know kids can be pretty cruel uh, yes. and that stays with you. you you think you grow out of it but a lot of that stuff is so i feel like ingrained in in some of the ways you you operate do you still feel like if you're not consciously thinking about it mm-hmm. that that is playing a part in your daily life that type of stuff um you know it, it can kind of creep in there every once in a while mm-hmm. um especially in times where like you know, I, I feel like uh, uh, maybe uncomfortable in like, you know, a crowd of people or something like that. Or I feel like um, I'm, I'm at the gym and I'm being judged, things like that. Or, but you're, I mean, you're a runner. Yeah. And you've run marathons mm-hmm. and you're running the marathon this I year. Am, is that right? Yeah. yeah. I'm starting training pretty soon. So. And you feel, uh, not to skip too far ahead because we're, we're still mm-hmm. in the childhood. Did you run as a kid? No, that was another thing. Yeah, I, I was not. Um, and a lot of it was because I, you know, I, <laughs> um, I was very just uncomfortable in my own skin and I didn't want to exercise. I didn't want to um, wear shorts. I didn't want to, I used to wear like really baggy jeans and, and large shirts and things like that to just really hide, hide myself basically. I was just so incredibly ashamed of the way I looked because kids would just be pretty relentlessly making fun of me. So, did were you were you ashamed of the way you looked before kids said that shit? No, not really. Not good. I, okay. not, not that I remember. I mean, yeah. um, before that, I, I don't think I really had any kind of 
it was never really on my mind. I just was, you know, a happy you kid were just a person. playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it never really crossed my mind that like something was different about me. I was just being who I was. Um, Do you ever think to, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to armchair quarterback at all, but or I guess armchair psychiatrist, whatever it is, <laughs> like think back. Of course, those kids are upset. <gasps> mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, I, they, those kids are upset. Yeah. And then they're just putting it on you. Oh, and for sure. I remember. Yeah. So when I was junior high, early high school, maybe mm-hmm. even into, uh, I I don't know if I bullied people that way, mm-hmm. but I was real intense with people. And okay. there were certain people that I was probably uh, envious of in, in my mm-hmm. own way that okay. I would just put it out on them. And I, would, I would really yeah. um, berate Ooh. them. Who? What type of person would you do that to? Well, Ryan. Uh, I would do that to, like, okay, so I had a friend named Ryan, and he was just kind of, uh, he just kind of, he's very kind of dopey and, and all this stuff, and, um, but everybody seemed to love him, and I remember thinking to myself, why? I, I'm over here trying really hard. Mm. And he doesn't seem to be trying. And why does it? Re- and and You're jealous a little. I'm recording very envious. Yeah. And it made me sad. And and I'd be like, what do I have to do? And right. so I would take it out on this poor guy. And I'd be like, you're a fake. You're a phony. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this shit. Um, I remember one time driving. This is high school. Driving and my beautiful '85 Honda Civic hatchback. Nice. Yeah. Oh. And I, you should know that the crowd is rather responsive to the idea of you being an asshole as a kid. Is that right? Yeah, is they they can't believe it. Oh, believe it! I was not with heavy sarcastic tone. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's very good. Mm. Um. Yeah. So a bunch of the questions are about like how does that stuff in the past like affect you. Um, well, I guess I'm going to start with you, um, (laughs) if I may, I mean, talking about what we were talking about, the way that you changed the way that you wore clothes Mm -hmm. and and the bullying that you got and things you were told, how does that, is that something that is still in your life? Um, you know, sometimes the, I think the lack of confidence that was a big part of that creeps in definitely, (laughs) but I also try to like see it as an opportunity to be like, okay, I went through this and I know, you know, how this feels. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm older now. And, and, and to your point, like those kids were probably also in a really bad place too, you know, and acting out in a way that was, you know, not very nice, but, you know, clearly they were going through something too. Right. And I think most kids, that's, you know, depending on what's happening in their lives, you know, they either turn inward or they project outwards, right? Mm-hmm. And there's that dynamic. Um, I think in my life now, it's actually made me more empathetic because I, I feel that and I can understand that and see it in other people and see that similar pain um, and, and, and try to understand, like, you know, maybe they didn't have the exact same story that I did, but something, something similar, something along those lines. So while, you know, it, it's not a great thing to have gone through, um, I think, and, and maybe this is 
cliche, but yeah. but it's true for me at least. Um, it's definitely made me um, a stronger person. It's made, made me yeah. it's made me more resilient. I think to um, to that kind of you know criticism or judgment um, because I I know that I've I've lived through it. Yeah. And but then also like you know when I see it happen to other people, I'm very like. You feel protected. I feel very protective, and so. Is it? Do you think that's uh, similar to how you felt that you wanted to take on? Yeah. Your your family's pain or yeah. anybody you care about's pain, yeah. type of thing. For sure. Yeah. And you know, and and I and obviously, like, you know, that's that's always tough, depending on you know how how much. Oh no. Yeah. Um. <laughs> beverage malfunction yeah um i mean it's it's i think it's it's good that you know i I still feel like i i can i can do that you know um but i think now it's it's also balancing um how how much i can take on versus how much i just need to be there for that person and really help them and kind of be it is you know because you can't Oh no! Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, because you, I mean, I think when I was younger, I, I definitely wanted to take all of it on, you know, and I wanted to like solve the problems, yeah. and I wanted to, I, I didn't want anybody to be um, super upset and 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 just you know going through pain. I remember now that we're talking about this, there's this memory that's come up. Um, when I was when I was a kid, I went to a sleepover with one of my friends, and her parents had this uh, really huge fight. Oh. the night and decided that they were going to um separate that night yeah and so um of course they were like her and her sister were there and they were crying and really upset so you knew that they that, that the fight led to them yes. they were going to separate yeah and your friend this is your friend's parents mm-hmm. at their house okay yes. sorry go ahead yeah and so um and and of course you know it was just i i never experienced anything like that before yeah. i had, i was just and I was. I Wait, were you at my house? <laughs> Actually, yes. No. Oh, um, okay. But uh, no, I mean it was one of those things where, like, I I started crying hysterically yeah. as soon as they started crying because I just, for whatever reason, felt like I needed to try to transfer their pain to me, and somehow that if I could. And again, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, when you're a kid, like, you're still kind of figuring things out. So yeah. I. I started crying hysterically. I started like feeling just awful and, and just really like just overly empathizing and trying to take on, you know, just, just trying to not have them hurt anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was, it was awful. And then, you know, by the end of the night, um, my mom came to pick me up. Um, and you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, she and I remained pretty good friends afterwards and, and we just, you know, it was just one of those experiences that, you know, going through, I was, uh, I went home and, and just told my parents I love them. So it was, but yeah, like I, that was, that was incredibly intense. And I just knew at that moment, um, like, wow, okay, you, you feel things really intensely. And it's, and it's great. Cause then when, when you're really happy and when things go really well, there's this amazing feeling, but then on the flip side, <laughs> when things go really bad, uh, yeah, you feel it real intense, right? Oh yeah. I, uh, I'm very much 
the same way. It's a bit dulled with the medication now, but uh, oh, for yeah, sure, same here. I'm very, very much the same way. And I think back to the, I think the what you were answering, and mm-hmm. then for me, um, as a kid, I, I don't know if I. I don't know. I never felt, I don't think I felt shame about my own sadness. I felt shame about my own difference. Mm, And usually when I'm sad to this day, uh, I'm much more irritable. And because I'm too, I'm uh, heavy on my own self and I'm just beating the shit out of myself Mm. when I'm sad. And when I was a kid, I was doing that and I didn't know I was doing that. And I didn't know what was going on, but For I was sure. just really fucking angry. Yeah. And then I would just lash out at people, and that led to kind of the behavior I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Strangely enough, now, in my 30s, um, I find myself really wary of being that way. Hmm. Really, really, really wary of being intense. Okay. Uh, for a long time in my family, I was the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I didn't like rob liquor stores, but, uh, I, I cause a lot of emotional t- t- sure. tumults and, and all this stuff. And, of course. Mm-hmm. and so now I, I try very hard to be calm and steady mm-hmm. and I, it very much is like me at one point saying, okay, you're not that person. But I think I am, but it's just like, you're sure. not going to be that person right now. Right. You're not going to be that person today. And I guess that's part of, of, um. Growing up and learning about yourself and all that bullshit. So, um, so it, speaking of going into adulthood, <laughs> let's just call let's just call adulthood eighteen, right? We'll just we'll just sure. uh, we'll say you can die for your country and you're an adult. I I, I don't understand why you um, can't drink, but whatever. Um, excuse me, and I didn't drink till I was eighteen. What about the weed, man? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. But uh, my question for you is, like, going into adulthood, 18, 19, sure. 20, 21, where, in that time, mm-hmm. did you have maybe a different experience where you were just, something happened and you were really sad or, or anything like that that happened in your life? Yeah, so when I was uh, 19, uh, my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, I was, um, at my sophomore year of college. So I was actually like away, you know, from my, from my family, about two hours. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. And it was, it was quite the shock because, um, you know, it's, it, it was something that, you know, my mom had been feeling ill for a little bit. The doctors really weren't sure what it was. She had gone through a series of tests and once she got the diagnosis, I think there was a part of um, a little bit of relief because we knew what it was. But then very shortly after there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time after that where it was just very heavy. And I felt just awful. And I felt such... Awful. Why did you feel awful? I think because I wasn't there. I think okay. because I, you know, I was at school and I was doing my, my, my own thing. I, you know, I was off on my own and and I wasn't there. And I think I felt an immense amount of guilt about not being there. Um and an immense amount of sadness for knowing what she was about to go through. 
um, and just really wanting to be there to help her to go through that. Did she did she tell you when you would I imagine speak with her on the phone? Mm-hmm. Did she tell you you don't need to be here? It's okay. Oh yeah. Be at school. Did that help yeah. at all? No. I mean, no. she she would continue to say like I you know tell me about your classes, tell me about these things, and you know she was really excited about the classes I was taking and the fact that I was doing all these really cool projects and stuff. And you know the entire conversations I would just be like oh. I need to be home. I need to be home. I need to be home. Um, and she would tell me like, no, I, I, I'm glad that you're doing this. I'm glad that, you know, you're in school and you're, you're getting your degree. But yeah, I just, you know, it was kind of going back to that whole, like, you know, I, I wanted to take that pain away um, and, and carry that because I felt like, okay, well, I'm already in this very sad place. I'll just continue to carry this. Are, um, do you mean very sad place? Just like you, like you talked about earlier, you in general, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, do you just have bouts of sadness? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, mostly just times where, you know, either things, uh, kind of come up out of memory or, you know, I have a, a tough day or, um, you know, I do a lot of worrying, <laughs> a lot of worrying. Yeah. Um, and that kind of promotes that, that feeling of so sadness and depression. When you were 19, when your mother was diagnosed, mm-hmm. um, you were already a sad person. You already mm-hmm. had, um, at some point in your life, probably tried to take something away from your mom emotionally, maybe to, to help her. Mm-hmm. And then she has something that you can't take away. Yeah. And then you're two hours away. Yeah. So did you feel like you did that compound the issue? Yeah, definitely. The distance and then, you know, just already kind of adding on to, on top of, you know, feeling feeling sad, feeling um, very alone, really, as well. Like, I was in a new city. I didn't really know anybody. Um, what city, if I may? Oh, in Richmond. Richmond, Virginia. It's yeah. a good city. Yeah. I like <laughs> You know a little bit about it? Yeah. I lived there for a year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, also... Embarking on college um, was tough. Uh, And again, it was also the first time I'd ever been away from home. So there was just a lot of kind of like, to your point, kind of compounding things that were happening. And it was very, very stressful. How did that manifest when you would um, hang out with your friends? um, You know, I would would try to like crack jokes um, and, and just try not to talk about it, honestly. Um, I felt like if I talked about it, I would just kind of crumble into this <laughs> mess, really. Um, and that night, I really, you know, um, I think from the time I was very little, I always, like, wanted to, um, I didn't I didn't have a whole, I wasn't very successful in making friends. Um, I was a very quiet and shy kid and, and very uh, timid uh, to, to make friends. And so when I did have friends, I also was a kind of afraid of sharing those that sad part of myself with them. I thought maybe were you afraid it would scare them off? Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought again, maybe something was wrong, something was different, and uh, you know, I didn't I didn't want to potentially uh, have them have them run for the hills. I guess <laughs> uh, like Iron Maiden. There you go. Yeah. So do <laughs> do you do you think that um, when you would hide that or, mm-hmm. or not want to share it, would that cause you to be more like, now I'm going to tell some jokes or I need to do this to cover it up yeah. like kind of you just said a minute mm-hmm. ago. Um, would yeah. you feel resentment at all? No, I mean, I think sometimes I would feel like 
okay, wow, like, I am not normal. Like, it seems like everyone else is well-adjusted, um, can deal with these things. You know, I would, I would also see, like, other kids talking about sad things or talking about, you know, tough stuff that was going on in their life. And I was like, oh, wish I could do that, but I just can't. You talk about it. Yeah, like, talk about it to them. And I, I just, I just couldn't. Did I, you, did you ever talk to anybody teenage years, like therapist or anything? Um, did you ever go to a, uh, a therapist when you're eight and say that you were a black belt in karate? I did not. Okay. I did. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I said all this shit. And so this is a fun little thing. So I was forced to go to therapy. I didn't really know why. But I went. Oh boy! And uh, there, there was this um, other kid in the therapy with me. Okay. Uh, and we would do co-therapy or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And one day, my dad came to pick me up from therapy oh outside boy. of this big red brick building, and uh, <laughs> this kid said to me, "Hey, show me that spinning kick." Because I've been talking about a spinning oh, kick, God. so I kind of just jumped and did a kick, and my dad goes. What are you doing? And I was like, I ah, just showing him a kick. But like, I can't imagine what the therapist was sitting there on the notepad just being like, illusions of grandeur. I said, I, I remember I told her I went to California for a, a, a karate tournament. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all this shit. Because I didn't know why I was there. Right. I mean, obviously. Just, were you just like, do you feel like you just had to like make stuff up to just because you were just like, I nervous or I, I honestly don't know um, and then a couple years later in uh, fifth fifth grade um, I was forced to go to the school shrink and I didn't know why oh. either I didn't get it hmm. it's like what what's the problem um, and yeah anyway enough about that so uh, as an adult uh, do you find that you react to your own sadness in the same way? Do you find that's evolved? Anything like that? Yeah, I think I think as an adult, like I, I understand now that it's it's really a process that I go through, and that it's tell okay. me about the process. Um, I mean, just that like I'll feel these feelings very intensely when they first come on, and okay. there's going to be a, a time that that's going to be there, um, and. And then uh, I kind of use things to, to kind of bring me out of it. Um, music's really the, the thing that's been, you know, the thing that I've used pretty much my whole life yeah. um, is just listening to music, um, sometimes reading, um, just just a way to almost like, like massage my brain in a way. Like it, it kind of oh, helps. I love that. I love that imagery. Yeah. Massage my brain. I, I think about that a lot, too. Yeah. I, sometimes I want to reach into my head. And just dig my brain out. Okay. How often do you just do that? <laughs> well, I, I I don't know if I often do this, but I um, but I talk, I, I I've right. spent a lot of time hitting my head. Yeah. What? I've spent a lot of time hitting my head. It, this has been a long time since I've done this, but I'll hit my head because I can't take mm. that anxious feeling at the front of my brain, mm. and it's it's like I want to get in there and dig right. it out. You, you just want it to leave. Yes. But... I'll never come back. <laughs> right. Going back to the process, that's a really good way to say it, right? Because yeah. the thing is, when you're sad, when you're anxious, mm -hmm. the first thing you want to do is like, I don't like this, let's fight it. And then it just sticks. It sticks, sticks longer, around. I feel yeah. like. For mm -hmm. me, like, I would fight it for so long and then it would just kind of stay around. I wouldn't really, like, actually give it time to be like, okay, 
you know, you're going to go through this and it's, and it's okay. And I think a lot of it also now as an adult, have, I've realized that like, it's okay to be sad. It's really okay to like have these deep, very intense feelings and, you know, it's going to pass at some point and that's all right. Like, it's okay. Um, Cause I, I, again, like when I was younger, I, I really hit it. I, I didn't really talk about it. I thought something was wrong with me. So the whole time you're hiding it. Yeah. You're just, also fighting yourself. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And like, you know, telling myself that, okay, you know, this, something's wrong with you. Um, why, why can't you be happy? Everybody else around you seems happy. Um, but I have to ask, yeah. I mean, that still has to be around a little bit, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. don't think it ever goes away. Yeah. Um, the patterns, right? We the get into patterns, patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, uh, I used to actually, for a while, like really actually kind of enjoy going, going to that sad place because it was so comforting of, you know, okay, this is how I used to really, really intensely get into those things when I was a kid. Um, and and now, like, you know, when it happens, I'm like, okay, you know, this is, like I said, this is going to be short-lived. I'm going to, you know, feel this intensely for hours. Um, I'm going to use that time to be, try to be productive or try to like, you know, dig into a book or dig into to an album that I really want to listen to. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe... And again, it it really changes too, like depending on the intensity. Sometimes I'll just, you know, go for a walk and and sit or sit in my room and, and just cry. Like and and it's okay. You know, I, I don't feel um as ashamed about it anymore because I think it's important to just be able to to process those things. So I think, you know, as a kid process. I, to process, yeah, to uh, as a kid I, I felt really ashamed. I felt really like I had to hide this. Um, because, you know, I didn't want to upset or I didn't want to, you know, any friends that I had to like leave and, and, you know, be like, Oh, so you thought if the moment you showed any sort of sadness or anything, your friends would just be like, well, yeah, getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, completely just bizarre. Right. Um, but that's kind of how I, I thought when I was a kid, I, I was just like, I feel I like, know. Yeah. And and I feel like I even deal with that now, and I okay. and, and in a different way. I I'm I always try really hard to listen to the people I love, my mm -hmm. friends. I try really hard to be there for people, but then people will ask me stuff, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah," and I'll just yeah. like mumble something, and I was like, "I don't want to talk about it." Right? Yeah. yeah, you just because I think you know, for me, yeah, for me, feeling like things so intensely, like I know that if I start down that path, it's going to be. A very tough path and it's like I don't want to it's almost like I don't want to then transfer my pain to somebody else right I but then I have to realize that like no that that's okay like they're like people can like and that's, Do you ever that's realize their, like sorry go yeah. ahead sorry well no I mean just that like they how they how they choose to help and empathize is kind of their thing it's their thing exactly yeah. right and I, I, I've spent a lot of time in relationships and friendships mm -hmm. and in my family deciding that I know how they feel and I'm going to ascribe oh, that yeah. feeling to that person. Yep. And that's a way that I can control the situation. Yes. The whole yeah. control thing is, is a big one for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
And and so can I ask? Yeah, you say sure. control's a big one, and you said that you wanted to. Wait, time okay, out, time out. yeah. Um, <laughs> we we want to get yeah let's, questions yeah. here, and we got a good one. Yeah, question is Richmond. <laughs> Have you ever been to Babes? Hell oh, yes. Gosh. Have you been to Babes in Carytown? I have not, but I've I've been by there, but is it it's a bar, right? It's a bar. It's a bar I went to the, for the first time with my dear friend Michael. Oh, you, I remember I've told the story. you about this. Yeah. And they had a burger and a PBR and it was five dollars. <gasps> and we were sitting in the booth and we were just kind of sitting there and I was looking around and there are like seriously nine probably nine pictures of Melissa Etheridge. Oh. And I was just looking around and I was just like, oh, there's so many fucking Melissa Etheridge pictures. Oh, no. It was a lesbian bar, which we dumbasses, we figured out later. But so you never went to Babes? No, no. I, I knew of it. And um, I used to like go down to Carytown a lot. I, I would Carytown's ride. Carytown's cool as hell, man. Yeah, I would ride my bike. Um, and then it got stolen. I was really sad. There, there's <laughs> multiple. Multiple reactions um, that are basically questioning your uh, sexual orientation. Questioning mine? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do they want to know? No, no, no. They were just saying that you, know, you got very, very, very excited about that answer. Oh, about... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, I did. Um, I, if you'd like, I'll sing Come to My Window. It's fine. Uh, whatever, whatever works, man. Um, no, we we went there during the greatest party ever uh, that humans ever had—the blissful drinking shit fuck. Uh, um, and there's greetings from Sweden. Greetings from Sweden. Oh, wow. Greetings from Sweden. Hello. I don't know how do you say hello in Swedish. Uh, hi. We love to. Like- <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I'm glad you're watching. God, what time is it there? Like five in the morning? Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah. Five, six, well, whatever. Hello, welcome. Um, so I, I want to ask you, you've, you've mentioned music a lot. Yeah. Uh, were there any other questions? No. Okay. You've mentioned music a lot. Right. And um, something you told me. But it's 354 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Man, three, it, it feels like 354 for me. Because I usually am asleep by this time, so uh, I thank you for watching. I hope uh, I hope it, it will help you go to sleep at least. Um, <laughs> and everybody says you need to smoke more weed, Kevin. Do they? Yeah, well, uh, that is the consensus. Of apparently, the group apparently is that you don't smoke enough weed. Apparently, my dad is watching. <laughs> so um, no, uh, music. You had told mm-hmm. me. And you mentioned this. You would like when you were a kid, you'd go into a room, mm-hmm. you'd listen to you'd listen to the tape recorder. Yeah. Uh, as an adult, how do you how do you what are who are some artists that that you listen to specific? Actually, can I just tell a quick story? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I remember uh, the first year I lived in Chicago. I had two roommates, and one day I was feeling sad, and mm-hmm. I put on some Tom Waits, like early Tom Waits, Ooh. like the piano the drunk. Time. Yeah, closing time. It was closing time. And I put it on, and I was laying on the floor in my roommate's room. She wasn't home. And I realized I was listening to it, and I was all sad. And I looked down and around, and I was in the pose of, like, I was being crucified. And I was like, well, I should probably go to the store. (laughs) 
Because that's a little bit much, that's, right? That's intense. So, like, I got really indulgent. When right. I was in college, I would listen to, like, 80s Tom Waits and mm-hmm. drink and just get real yeah. about it. Um, what about you? Like, now, what do you what do you like to listen to if you're sad? Oh, gosh. If I'm sad, um, a lot of Elliot Smith. Um, yeah. A lot of Ellen Sebastian. Okay. Um, a lot of, actually, like, early Dylan. You like, uh, okay. Like, uh, when you say early Dylan, what record? Uh, freewheeling, yeah. um, another side, um, blood on the tracks is so good. Uh, favorite album ever. There you go. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, those are kind of the, the two ones that I go to. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, I used to like lay on the ground, like listening to, to music and there would be times when, um, I have this like really vivid memory of like laying in my room when I was a kid. And um, All Apologies came on by sure. Nirvana, and yeah. I just cried and cried and cried, and it was great. Like, Felt great. Yeah, because it was like this moment of like, okay, like, I, I, just, I just felt like such a connection to the music, and the music really just helped me. I feel like just got me through that, that moment. And I, so I feel like now um you know i I listen to a lot of music on my headphones or when i'm at my apartment um and it kind of just gets me through different moments of my day you know different transitions throughout my day so you know when i'm on my way to work or i'm coming home from work or i'm at the gym or i'm just on a walk um you know I'll, i'll put on on different different records and and you know it's it's kind of that again that kind of massage for my brain um to kind of get myself from from different different points throughout uh throughout my day basically okay yeah um going back to uh to that are there are there certain lyrics that stick out to you that you even come back to again and again especially if you're like man i'm really upset about something that happened today or i'm really upset about this part of my personal life whatever it may mm-hmm. be is there a certain thing that you would return to in music or is it just oh, kind gosh. of like, yeah, I mean, there's certain songs, um, sons and daughters by the Summerists is one of those songs where mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a terribly sad song, but it just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just the, the repetition of the, of the you know, kind of the, the triad of like the different mm-hmm. parts coming in and everything else. Um, and it's also just kind of like, seemingly very hopeful so sometimes i listen to that um gosh to ramona by dylan is such a great song um everything passes everything changes yeah. just do what you think you should do and yeah. then um bob dylan's dream is another one which just such a really really wonderful song really great song uh so on a deeper note what i want to know is what artist's death made you the most sad Oh, Did, could it be a death that happened before I was born? Whatever emotionally John, disturbs uh, oh. you the most. Yeah, I was going to say John, John Lennon. John Lennon, probably. Yeah, for me too. But yeah. if I'm going to say somebody like who, who died when I was um, alive... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I keep thinking of John Candy. Yeah. I was really sad when John Candy died. I love John Candy. Mm-hmm. I would watch these movies. I'd watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, mm-hmm. Uncle Buck, um, Volunteers, mm-hmm. 
his last movie, which was terrible, called um, Wagons East. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being in my driveway shooting baskets when I found out John, John Candy died. And I just felt really sad because he was just... There's nothing. There, there seemed to be nothing impure about him. Right. Just a and then funny, all of a sudden he was no longer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one I can think of, at least in my yeah. life. In my life, which is a great song. Um, <laughs> so. Wagons East. Yeah. yeah, that movie's not good. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it was was Kurt Cobain, which yeah. I know for a lot of people it was, mm-hmm. but it was also like he he passed away when I was 11, so it was like right around that time of like I was kind of starting to like move away from listening to the music that my, my parents had. And um, mm. my older brother was listening to a lot of Nirvana and I'd listened to a lot of Nirvana. And, and I still vividly remember coming home from school and watching Kurt Loder mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on MTV news. That. Yep. And that those like, those like um, type keys came up. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do, do. yeah. And I remember just like looking and watching that and going, what? This I this can't be. I, I mean, I remember seeing the um, MTV Unplugged. Um, not long before. Not that. long before yeah. that, yeah. And 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 being just and and just how lovely that was. And uh, yeah, that was like the first time that I, I really thought about like, oh wow, somebody uh, who you know I have this you know who I, I really love their art and really loved what they what they what they did and. And was no longer there, and no longer there by his by his own means, and and you know it was just it was incredibly powerful, um, and and so yeah, as far as like those who passed away in my lifetime, like as far as artists, that's that was the one that I think really really hit me. I thought of another one intensely. too. That's a uh, Dave Foster Wallace. Okay. Um, that I think about him most days mm-hmm. but david foster wallace big time uh for anybody who doesn't know uh he was a writer um yeah uh, he he's he's probably my favorite writer and i was sitting on a couch in west virginia mm. when i saw that he killed himself and i called two of my friends and um it's just fucking he he hanged himself and mm-hmm. um that scares me um, well, I, I think we're coming to... Do you say it scares you? scares me because I worry about suicide. Uh, it scares me because uh, I don't think I'd ever kill myself, but uh, it scares me because uh, I, I've had thoughts about it. I've had thoughts about it a lot of my life. I mm-hmm. remember uh, sitting at a pool party when I was a kid talking to a friend of mine about suicide. And uh, that friend actually later in life had, uh, took his life, his own life. Um, I always joke with my sister about like she'll make dark jokes. And I'm like, listen, the suicide jokes are mine. Okay, back the fuck off. Um, but um, it's just that's when she tells you to get on a train, dude. Yeah, yeah, and she did, and she did. Um, I, I, it scares me because. Uh, I was Dave Foster Wallace was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I'm not, but I saw a lot of myself in what he wrote, and mm-hmm. then it scares me that he went to where he went. Absolutely, it's a scary yeah. place. So that's that's what I mean. Um, so I think we're gonna wrap it up. Okay. 
I do want to say this. Um, we, we talked about Blood on the Tracks earlier, and the lyric in Richmond, Virginia, that I first mm-hmm. I'd listened to Dylan before, but I took Blood on the Tracks with me November 30th, 2006, mm-hmm. in my disc man. And Simple uh, <laughs> Twist of Fate. Mm-hmm. And there's a line where he says, um, People tell me it's a sin to know and feel too much within. Yeah. And that's just basically everything we've been talking yes. about. And, so. um, and then it goes on to say, I still believe she was my twin. I remember I broke down crying in the back of oh, that wow. giant 15-passenger van. Which, um, and um, yeah, I just think it's, it's why I love that line is it's like, that's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. And based on what you were saying, that's exactly kind of how you yeah. felt when you were sad. You're like, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Right. I'm not supposed to feel this intensely. And, but now I know it's okay. That's it's right. really all right. It's just who I am. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. So, Well, Jen, thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Talk. Thank you. Uh, and thank you everybody for watching and your questions and, um, and your genuine surprise that I was an asshole as a child. Uh, I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully be my, uh, my friend Lauren will be here, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good night. Bye. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.